0: Last week, we started this series called Story of My Life, and what we're trying to do over the the next few weeks is just to look at how do we tell our stories, what's the point of our stories, those kinds of things. And so last week, we looked at this, what's the power behind our stories, behind our testimonies, what's the power behind that? And what we said was that the power behind our story is only as powerful as the source that it's connected to, and that is Jesus. Jesus. Right, so if our stories are not connected to Christ, if the if the really the story that we're telling is about Christ, it becomes powerless and just a story about us. And so, uh, what I want to do today is move from that space of inspiration and motivation, hopefully, to a space of information. Tonight's going to be uh, feel like information, but hopefully, it's helpful for you. And, uh, and giving you confidence to go and tell your story, to go and share this, your story with the people that are in your life. The way I'll illustrate uh, is, is think about this. So I have this vivid memory. I don't know why. But there are certain things in my life that I remember really vividly, like at random moments, and it's weird. So I have a, I have a vivid memory of being in sixth grade in Miss Sonia's class. That, that's irrelevant to you, but it's fine. Uh, at Windsong Intermediate. I don't know if anybody in here went to Windsong. That's fine. Our mascot was the Stallion. I felt great about that as a sixth grade guy. I was like, this is awful. Can we get a better one? So I went to Windsong Intermediate in sixth grade in Miss Sonia's class. She was my English teacher, or when I was in sixth grade, we called it language arts. We didn't call it English because I don't know why, but we called it language arts. And we went through what was... Uh, like the, dy- the, the dy- we didn't call it dynamics in sixth grade, but for the sake of this, we'll call it the dynamics of a story or what makes up a plot. I talked about these pieces of what makes up a plot or a story. What are the, the necessary parts of a story? And uh, I remember rolling through these things and I looked it up just to make sure that I wasn't making that up. And there is a thing, it's real, I promise. Uh, and so here are the necessary parts of, a, of, of forming a good plot. There's exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, and denouement, denouement, whatever. It's a French word. So there you go. Uh, here you go, right? And, 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 and here's the deal. All stories have these pieces. If you look, if you watch a movie, you see these pieces. That the exposition is the setup, the, everything that you need to know about the characters in the story, about the place, that it's, uh, the, the place that it's set, all that stuff, right? So you heard a song in West Philadelphia, born and raised. On the playground is where I spent most of my days, right? And it's starting to set up the story. It's, starting to, it's giving you everything that you need to know about what is going on. And then it starts to, and then the stories, they rise in action. So some things start to happen you start to learn about more characters. Maybe you learn about a villain. When a couple of guys, they were up to no goods. They started making trouble in my neighborhood, right? And then there's the climax, the like, uh-oh, this isn't good. I got in one little fight, and my mom got scared. So you're moving with your auntie, right? Right? And so now we're at the climax and it's, it's really like, it's tense and it's hard and things are like, oh, my, you're watching the movie and you're like, what's going to happen? And then the falling action starts and the things start to unravel. I pulled up the house about seven or eight. Y'all do the cab, Oh, I'll smell you later. Right? Which is awesome, by the way. Right? And it starts to resolve and he ends up in bel in the End result is the conflict resolves and he becomes the fresh prince of Bel Air. Right? And all stories are like this. Any movie you watch, go watch a Marvel superhero movie, it'll have the same dynamics. Go watch Harry Potter, it'll have the same dynamics. Go watch whatever girly movie you like, The Notebook, it'll have the same dynamics. Right. All of this, all good stories have necessary pieces in telling the story. And I tell you that to tell you this, is that when it comes to us sharing our story, when it comes to us sharing our testimony, there are some necessary parts that will be helpful to you in sharing your story. They're not the same as this, but they're necessary all the same. There are markers that we want to hit, questions that we want to answer that will hopefully be so helpful to you in forming, how do I tell my story. So we're going to jump into Galatians chapter one and find this example from Paul as he shares his story. But here's what I think is interesting. Let me set this up, right? So the letter of Galatians is written to this church at Galatia. Paul writes it because there's some people that showed up that that were telling them a false gospel. They came in and said, hey, listen, I know that Paul came in and told you that you can get saved by Jesus and Jesus alone, but we seem to let you know it's not Jesus and Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus obey the Mosaic law. And Paul was like, y'all fools are crazy, and now I'm going to have to write a letter. So he writes a letter to the people at Galatia telling you, those guys are morons. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so then he starts to defend himself. Those guys are calling Paul a liar. Those guys are calling Paul a false teacher. But Paul says, let me defend myself. And you know how he defends himself? You know how he comes and proves to the Galatian people that the gospel is true? He tells a story. That should be enormously helpful to you. That when in a position, when somebody pushes back in, I don't know if I believe God, I don't know if you don't have evidence for that, or blah, 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 blah. And listen, there are answers to those questions, by the way. I'm not saying you just plead ignorance. There are answers to those questions. But nothing, nothing is more helpful in those moments of, is Jesus real, than you sharing your story about what Jesus did in you. And so that's what Paul does here. Let's look at it in Galatians 1, starting in verse 11. I'll read through 24. Here we go. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it from a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles? I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to Cephas, to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the re- regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So what I want to do is grab onto just three parts that are hopefully helpful to you and Sharing your story. Three necessary parts of sharing your story. Let me just remind us what I mean when I say your story or your testimony, right? We can get lost in churchiness with that. So let me just remind you that this is your story. That your story is the story of who you were before Jesus, when you believed Jesus, and how you are now living for Jesus. Who you were before Jesus, when you believed Jesus, and how you're now living for Jesus. This is your story, right? That's the general makeup of your story. So let's use those three markers as we move through Paul's story here. So who he was before Jesus. Look at verse 13. For you have heard of my former life, who he used to be. You've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Who does he say that he was? Paul says that, listen, I, I wasn't just like, man, Christianity is neat, but I choose Judaism. He was like, I hated you fools. I hated Jesus. I was dead set against the guy. I thought he was a false teacher. In fact, I was getting letters to go to Damascus to arrest some folks and bring them back I did not like Christians at all. I was an enemy of Christ. That's who I used to be. I was against him altogether. And even more than that, not only was I against Jesus, but I was also a Jew. And I wasn't just any Jew. I was great at being Jewish. Like, there's some dudes that are kind of okay at being Jewish, I was crushing them at being Jewish. Like in the rankings, I was number one. I knew all of it. I was zealous for the traditions of my fathers, is what the Bible says. So he not only was super prideful about that, but he thought that he was gaining righteousness through all of that stuff. So not only was he an enemy of Christ in his former life, but he was, he was seeking righteousness through himself and he was horribly prideful. That's who Paul used to be. That's how he identifies his former life, before Christ. And maybe you hear that and you think, that's great, but that's nothing like my former life. I was seven when I gave my life to Jesus. The worst thing that I did was punch my sister in the arm when she annoyed me. But listen, listen, this is what Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3 says about everyone's, everyone's. Whether you became a follower of Jesus at 6 or 16, or you're not a follower of Jesus, this is, this is everyone's life before following Jesus, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Do you you see it? That everybody's story is not, oh, you were kind of bad and you just got a little bit better at seven years old and became a Christian. No, it says of everyone, whether you became a Christian early or yesterday, that your story before Jesus is that you were dead, choosing your own self. And you didn't care about anyone else. It was your own way and that you were the king of your life. And God identified you as dead. And dead people don't do kind of good things. Dead people do nothing good. And so your story before Christ and my story before Christ, the details might be different. But the reality is the same. We were dead and whether your sin was stealing crayons from your kindergarten teacher or, or, or getting out of your mind drunk, the sin is the same in the effect that you're dead. And apart from Christ, we are hopeless, hopeless. We will choose ourselves ten times out of ten. And we need some kind of hope. You see, because we read stuff like that and we think, yeah, Kate, I I get it. I hear Paul's story. I really wasn't that bad. And here's what happens as a result of you saying stuff like that. I wasn't that bad. I was a pretty good kid. I was raised in church. My parents uh, helped me make good decisions. I'm a pretty moral kid. I followed the big rules. Like, I'm all good. I said, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and I'm not that bad. And here's the result is when you think your sin's not that bad, the gospel becomes not that good. You see, when you, when you look at your sin and think, it really isn't, it, compared to all these other jokers, I'm not really that ba- bad of a person. But the death of Jesus explains it differently. The death of Jesus explains that our sin was so bad, that he had to get murdered. That's not, that's not like kind of bad. That's horrific. And you see, it's necessary for us to come to grips with the fact that we are left to ourselves unbelievably wicked, and we will choose ourselves 10 times out of 10. You see, we need to come to grips with that because when we grab onto the fact that we are that messed up, the gospel becomes unbelievable news. Not just good news, but unbelievable news because a God looked down and said, you are unbelievably wicked. You will choose yourself 10 times out of 10. You can't help yourself. And I know that, so I'm going to come help you. That's why the gospel is such good news is because wicked though we are, God loved us anyway. When we grab that, We believe a gospel that changes everything about how we live. We believe a gospel that will bring us to a place where we can't help but speak it to people. Because we're aware. I wouldn't have chosen me knowing me. But God did anyway. What kind of love is that? Unbelievable is the answer. So Paul tells of his former life. So when you start your story, you should tell of who you were before Jesus. But then we should move on to when we believe Jesus. Look down at verse 15. But, that's a good word, by the way. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult With anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned to, and returned again to Damascus. Did you catch it in verse 15? You see, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. You see, whether you decided to, whether you became a follower of Jesus at seven at VBS or you became a follower of Jesus yesterday because you read the scriptures and you believe Jesus. Here's the reality of every one of us who are are Christians in here. It is not that you stumbled upon Jesus. It is not that your parents finally convinced you. It is not that you were just like, well, hell seems awful, so I guess I'll choose Jesus. That's not the, the deal. All of us in here who are followers of Jesus, you became a follower of Jesus because God called you by his grace, period. God just drew you in. And that's really good news because that means we brought nothing to the table and God brought everything. See, your story and my story, the details might be different. But at the bottom level, it's the same as that God, by his grace, called us to himself because he knew you're helpless, wicked, sinful, and you're gonna have to pay for that if you don't turn your eyes to Jesus, the one who paid it for you. And when you heard that at seven or at 10 or at 17, when you heard that message, something in you clicked and you think it may, well, I just decided to do this. But no, it was the Holy Spirit working in you. Something happened in you to where you said, I have to, I have to believe that. Because something in you, whether it was a a basic understanding as a little kid or a really great understanding as a teenager, something in you said, I know that I'm a sinner, and there's no way to God apart from Jesus, and I have to have that. And so you walked the aisle, or you filled out the card, or you prayed a prayer, or you told a friend, or whatever it looked like. But listen, it's not because you just decided. It's because God called you by his grace. And it just came to fruition in this moment where you said, I have to have that. I have to follow Jesus. I realize there's no other way. And the details of that will look so different for some of you. When you tell your story, you'll tell of who you were before you were a Christian. And for some of you, that's nerve-wracking. You're like, man, I don't even remember what I was like when I was five. But you know what you do know? Is that at some point in your life, you realized I'm a a sinner. No matter what my sin looks like, I'm a sinner. And in the face of God, that is a denial of God that I've chosen to shove against God. And then I, I realized at five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever age you were, I realized that I'm a sinner and separated from God because of that. And God, by his grace, drew me in and gave me a way to be with him because Jesus died and got up from the dead. You see, nobody's, Nobody's worried about, did you grow up in church or did you not? What they're they're hearing is. You realize that you were separated from God and God was the only way to bring you back to himself. That's a story worth telling. Some of you are so worried about telling your story because it doesn't sound powerful or cool or whatever. The coolest part of your story is that Jesus drew you in. Tell it. So you tell them who you were before Jesus, and you tell them about the time when you believed Jesus, and again, for some of you, you can remember the moment. You can remember the place. You can remember the day. You can remember all of that because you have an excellent memory. Others of you are like me, and you can't remember like a week ago. So when you think about that moment, you're like, I don't remember the day. I kind of remember where I was at, and I kind of remember like a conversation with some lady or some dude or some, my parents or whatever, but it was more like a, like a season of my life that I remember and listen, that's okay. Like nobody, when they hear your story, is gonna be like, oh, you don't remember the day and the time, this is not real. Like, excuse me? Like that's not, no, that's not, that is not an important detail. What is an important detail is that you remember, here's what happened. I heard the gospel and something was different this time. Like I didn't just hear it and it was like, yeah, you say this every, every Sunday or whatever. But I heard it and like, it's like somebody gave me different ears. You see, you hear, you see this in the scripture all the time. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's not like a, anybody available that has like the biological like product of ears, then you can hear this. No, that's not the deal. It's Jesus saying, he who has been given ears to hear by God, let him hear. And so at some point in your life, God gave you ears to hear and you heard the gospel and you said, I have to believe that. I have to believe that. And you did. So tell that story. Tell that story. So you tell them who you were when you believed. And the, the last part is this. Then you tell them how you are now living for Christ. You tell them how you are now living for Christ. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. You see, what does Paul tell of concerning his life that he's now living for Christ? He tells two things. He tells how he's on mission for Christ and how he's been transformed by Christ. How he's on mission for Christ and how he's been transformed by Christ. He says I went to all these places. I went to visit Peter. I saw James. I was with the apostles. We were rolling out and we were telling people the gospel and people were believing Jesus like I was like folks had diseases and I healed them in Jesus like God through me healed them in his name. That's crazy. I went to the to Syria and Cilicia and I was telling people about Jesus and they were believing Jesus. You see? Because when he believed Jesus, he knew Jesus isn't only calling me to himself, he's calling me to his mission. And so I'm gonna walk out there and be the kind of person that says, This gospel's too good to keep to myself. You've got to hear this. And so when you tell people your story, you tell them who you used to be, you tell them how the gospel, you, you tell them what the gospel is, and when you believed it. And then you tell them how you're different now. You tell them how you're on mission for Jesus now. That may look different for every person in here. On mission, maybe at your school or in your neighborhood or on your team or whatever, in your family. I don't know. But no matter who you are, I know that Jesus is calling you to that mission. And so you tell them how you're on mission for Jesus. And the next thing you tell them is how you've been transformed by Jesus, how your life is different because of Jesus, what what does Paul say? Paul says, these people, they were just hearing about me. Look at 23, verse 23. They only, the people out there, they were only hearing it said. He who used to persecute the church is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. They were hearing the story of Paul, and they were like, Paul, Paul who used to be Saul, Saul that used to kill Christians, like that dude was going to get letters to, like, it was not good. He really hated Jesus. How can this be? You see, they'd noticed a transformation in him. They noticed something different in him, so much so that in Acts nine twenty one it says it like this: Right after his conversion, and all who heard him were amazed and said, "Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests?" Everybody thought this can't be the same guy, because not too long ago that guy was not just like, he wasn't neutral towards Christianity. He was dead against it. Something is different. And that difference is Jesus. He looked different. He talked different. He acted different. And listen, the same is and should be true of you. That your life before Christ and your life after believing in Christ should look different. I'm not saying it's gonna look drastically different because obviously you look different now than you did at six. Whenever you just, like, I get that. But the way that you think, the way that you speak, it should model Christ. It should model Christ. It should look different. That if you, being the Christian at your school, are next to the person who isn't a Christian at your school and you look the same, and you speak the same, and you act the same, and you care about the same things a lot. Something's off somewhere. We should look different. We should look different. And I'm not saying like, well, just clean up your language so people will know you're a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But we should look different. The way that we live should be different. The way that we treat people should be different. such that people say, that's real weird. Like, People don't do that. People don't go out of their way to love people. People don't go out of their way to serve people. People don't give up a week of their summer to go across the nation to share the gospel with people. People don't do that. Why would you do that? Because the gospel's that good. Because I would give up more than a week for the gospel. Because the gospel's just that good. It's changed my life. So what has it changed about about you? And tell people that. Tell people how you're on mission, how you're living for Christ. Tell people how you're different. And let's look at the effect. Look at verse 24. This is the effect when you tell your story. And they, those who heard Paul's story, they glorify God because of me. The effect on people when you share your story with them is God gets a ton of glory. God gets a ton of glory. And that should be our sole motivation. That if, you, if you're in here and you're worried about sharing your story because you're worried that it's kind of lame or you're worried that it's kind of boring or you're worried that it's not that cool, what that tells me is, I was the same, same person as a teenager, by the way, and this was true of me, but what that tells me is this, you're more worried about what people think of you than what people think about God because this is about the glory of God, not you. This is about the glory of God, not me. If people, if people leave from hearing my story, if people leave from hearing my story thinking about how cool I am, I've missed it. But if people leave from hearing my story and think about how unbelievable Jesus is, you've nailed it. Because this is about the glory of God. And I hope that you would be the kind of person that would be motivated by that that would long for God to get a ton of glory through your life. Whatever that looks like. Every time you share your story, be motivated by the glory of God. And so here's the challenge then. We've gone from what's the power of your story now to how to tell your story. Uh, And so over over the next week, I want you to start putting your story together if you haven't already. And if you have, it would still be good for you to do it again. Uh, you don't have to reach for it. You can do it afterwards. There, under some of your chairs, not everybody, is because we had to get some extra chairs, but under some of your chairs, there's a piece of paper, and it's just an outline. You don't have to grab it. You can leave it there. Afterwards, you can, afterwards you can, you can use it. But here's what that is. Here's what that is. It's just an outline of everything we just talked about and some blanks for you to fill in your story. If you don't need that, don't take it. If you don't have one and you want one, they're on the back table, you can, you can grab one when you get it, when you leave. I hope that you'd use it because you want people to hear your story because you want people to know Jesus. But use that. It's not weird to write out your story. It might be really helpful to you. Like those of you who are really nervous about telling it, well, just start by writing it then. Write it and write it again and write it again. And then tell it to your family member or tell it to a friend who you know is a Christian so you're not as nervous. And the more you tell it, the more comfortable you get. And then I hope, I hope, I hope that as you fill that out, you would write out your story, you would practice telling your story, then you would identify this. Who's one person that needs to hear your story? Who's one person in your life that needs to hear your story? Somebody in your school, on your team, in in the whatever, in the band that you're in, in the club that you're a part of, I don't care. Who's one person that needs to hear your story? Because you want them so bad to believe Jesus. And you're like, look, I'm not good at this arguing thing. I'm not good at this debate thing. But here's what I know. I know what God has done to me. I know what Jesus has done to me. That I was dead and I'm alive. Tell them that. Tell them that. Who's one person that needs to hear your story? And then tell them. And then tell them. And celebrate the obedience on the backside. So maybe as we respond, you just need to sit there. And think, who, who is somebody that I need to tell? You need to pray about that. You need to ask God, would you show me? And you can think of that, that person in their face and, and begin to pray that God would give you the, the courage to, to do it.